May 7th, 2015. This is the Hermetic Hour. I'm your host, Poke Runyon, and tonight we'll review and discuss Gerald Gardner's classic novel of medieval magic and witchcraft in England, High Magic's Aid. We consider this a very important work in the modern hermetic tradition because it vividly describes the synthesis of surviving paganism with the Solomonic school of ceremonial magic in the Middle Ages. A mix of esoteric themes that returned in the form of Gardnerian and Alexandrian Wicca in the 1950s in England, from which it quickly migrated to the United States. Gerald Gardner was a member of the OTO and worked closely with Aleister Crowley to produce the first modern book of shadows. High Magic's Aid tells the story of three Saxon Solomonic magicians in the days of Robin Hood's King John, that's the 11th century, who are now able to work their who are who are not able to work their magic effectively without the help of a female witch they rescue their priestess from the local inquisition and dig up her precious afame and her white-handled knife without which they cannot operate now the story is very well written and well researched and it's better than crowley's fiction in my opinion although he was probably gardner's editor We strongly recommend this book to our neo-pagan and Wiccan friends who may think that witchcraft and magic cannot coexist. They can, and they did, and they do. So if you want to know where and how the wizards and the witches got together, tune in and merry meet and blessed be. Now, um going to do this show in two parts uh the reason why is is there there are some marvelous rituals in this book and i'm going to read through some of the uh, some of them and i'll describe them and and i'm going to read through them and uh there's the uh and so we'll split it into, into, into two halves and we'll, and we'll do the next half next week now uh there are a lot of people that are uh, very interested in both magic and witchcraft and how they go together. So we're going to uh, hold the call-ins until next week. Next week, those of you folks who are still, uh, if you can hear the rain on the roof, we finally got some here in Southern California. That's 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 the rain that we've been praying for. And uh, a little bit of magic kind of helps. And uh, so we're glad to have it. <coughs> Anyway, um, so hold your call-ins till next week, and, uh, you know, you want to make some notes and, and then call in and ask questions about it. Uh, so I hope, uh, of course, that the, I hope the rain on the roof is not, uh, is not, <laughs> not affecting the transmission here. We'll just uh, sort of uh, see if we can work around it, because we really do need the rain. And... Uh, and uh, let's get on into this. High Magic's Aid, and I am I am the luck holder of a of a first edition, a hardcover edition. Uh, it's been reprinted recently, and uh, I just one clicked it on Amazon, which you can also do. And uh, the first edition 
Gardner published under his uh, under his OTO uh, magical name uh, SQA that's spelled S C I R E. So I imagine it's pronounced SQA. Uh, and OTO four equals seven. Gerald Gardner, author of The Chris and Other Melee Weapons and A Goddess Arrives. He also wrote. Um, uh, witchcraft today, and and uh, and with Crowley together, they created the first book of shadows. Now uh, uh, there is so there is obviously there is the Crowley connection, which we're all aware of. But uh, uh, the interesting thing about this first edition I have, and those of you out there that also have the same edition, you might notice on the on the title page that uh, the printer misspelled. Gardner's uh, Gardner's um, magical name. They they spelled it S C R I R E, and he corrected it. He corrected each copy himself, and put a J, he just crossed out the R I and put a put a, a J a J R in there. And so if you have that, you can consider that Gardner's <laughs> Gardner cites your first edition. Yeah, and. Uh, but another thing, another interesting thing about this first edition, and I hope when I get the reprint that they've done this, uh, in the end papers, in this first edition, you will see in the end papers uh, a drawing of uh, a magical sword, a drawing of an alphame, and of a white-handled knife, and a magical circle. Now, these drawings at first glance they look like they are taken from Mather's Key of Solomon. They look that way because they're very similar. But they are not taken from Mather's Key of Solomon. They are original. And uh, and uh, the inscriptions, of course, are derived from, from old grimoires. Some of them some of them derived from the Key of Solomon and other old grimoires. So... Uh, Let's hope that, that this new reprint has, uh, that they have in the paperback reprint, that they have these old drawings. And if you happen to have your old copy of, um, of uh, Gardner, if you turn to the back end papers, which are more complete than the front end papers, you will find uh, on the opposite page to the one with the sword and the two knives and the circle, you'll find the sigils that they used in the book. And a good old Italian from the Legaton, which they they did, and we'll get into that probably next week. Uh, talisman, uh, talisman of Mars. These these are all uh, basically Agrippa type talismans, and uh, uh, and in most of these uh, most of this magical alphabet writing can also be found in Agrippa. You know, in or and and as we get through. As we go through tonight, you'll notice we go through uh, several of these ceremonial magic operations. That Gardner was was obviously very, very, very well well versed in ceremonial magic, and he was. And when he and and as we get through this, we'll also realize that his original version of witchcraft had a great deal of ceremonial magic involved in it. And Alex Sanders, his protege. Did the same thing, and, uh, and his. Um, in fact, uh, 
Alex Sanders had a, a Solomonic sword hilt, bronze, uh, two crescent uh, sword hilt cast, and I happened to, uh, to be the to be the proud uh, possessor of one of those because Fred Adams, my mentor, uh, got one. Uh, uh, that had been cast by by the Sanders people over in uh, over in England, and uh, so that is uh, the hilt that's in our magic sword, which you can see in several of our videos, and uh, that's uh, quite similar to the sword that uh, to the hilt, the Solomonic hilt that uh, is either in the Key of Solomon, and also like the one that matters at that uh, Gardner House here in High Magic Sage. Now. Um, High Magic Sade came out in 1949, and it was Gardner's first publication, and it it sort of set the uh, set the stage for uh, for his future witchcraft books and activities and whatever. And um, I'm going to agree. I'll go down the uh, the chapter list here. It gives you a pretty good idea of what's what's in here. First chapter is High Magic Aid, and the second chapter is Brother Stephen, and then Seeking a Witch, and then the Witch, and then the Moon's Aid, and then they leave the Wildwood, they come to London, London is a fine place, riding together, working together, music magic, and, uh, and that's beautiful. Uh, um, uh, uh, Sister Urania would certainly like that because, uh, you know, Mormon the Witch bewitches, bewitches a whole room full of rowdy, rowdy people with her harp, with her magical harp playing. And then uh, uh, Super Heath and Red Garters, and we'll get into the legend of the Garters, too, you know, because that, 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 um, uh, the, the order of the Garters is supposedly connected with witchcraft. And, and, uh, and then Deer Leap, Charging the Pentacles, Making the Great Circle, the Witch Cult, and the spirit Vantalion, castles and lands, and all roads lead to Rome. Now, gives you an idea of of what's in this book, and uh, what is in this book, and we'll certainly you'll get a good taste of it tonight because I'm going to read through some of these rituals. Uh, and uh, what's in this book is, as I said, a beautiful synthesis of ceremonial magic and and witchcraft as pretty 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 authentic as far as they actually would have come together in uh, in medieval England. Now, um, the, the, the book, I think, and, and I, I am a novelist, and, and so I think I'm, I'm a good person to judge this, I think this book is very well written. Now, I realize, and you will too, those of you who've written a Walter Scott, you know, it's Ivanhoe, the Talisman, and various. Uh, any that that this is very much in the style of Walter Scott. In fact, I'm sure Gardner read it, he, a lot of this. He, the, the ideas probably came from Ivanhoe, and uh, and Ivanhoe, as you know, uh, involves the Robin Hood legend, and this this. Uh, uh, High Magic State also involves the Robin Hood legend, and King Richard, and King John, and even the Magna Carta, which is quite interesting. And uh, so, what happens? I'll I'll I'll, I'll, uh, I'll summarize the book for you. We'll synthesize, you know, we'll synopsize it. The book is about 
brothers, the Bonder brothers, Olaf and, and Jan Bonder, who are uh, the sons of a of a Saxon uh, Saxon lord, who has been who has been uh, his his father was uh, murdered and 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 by uh, uh, by an evil Norman, Pissers, and and uh, if this story sounds familiar, it's very much like Ivanhoe. And the two brothers, of course, especially Jan, Jan Bonder, they want their lands and their and their their uh, 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 their hereditary lands back. They they want their 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 titles, their honors, and their and their lands and and their and their fortunes returned. And they, of course, uh, Jan especially. Jan is the older. And Olaf's the younger brother. These they're both teenagers as this thing starts. They're both uh, in in the early teens. And uh well, well I mean uh, Olaf's sixteen. I think they're in there. They're 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 at uh, Olaf's about sixteen and, and 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 Jan's about nineteen as they get and we get started in this thing. And there Jan Jan wants Jan is the one who is, is the most obsessed. And their mother is Hildegard. Is is a uh, she is still lives on the farm, and 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 uh, she just she's just given up. On, she doesn't she doesn't care anymore about uh, about fighting Fitzurs, you know, or anything like that. And she just wants to to you know make do with the way things are. But uh, they have a friend who was their father's uh, right hand man. And that's the local leech, the local doctor. And his name is Thor Peterson. And Thor Peterson is the local the local doctor. And uh, in those days, they called them leeches because they used leeches. They, they um, just about anything that, that any infection or any uh, uh, disease in those days uh, they thought that the uh, the best way to to uh, cure it was to let to take blood away from from the uh, to bleed the uh, uh, you know the, uh, the the patient, and so they kept leeches and they put the leeches on and the leeches sucked the blood and and that uh, supposedly uh, made people better. Well, it really didn't, but they thought it did, and so they called doctors leeches. Anyway, um, Thur Peterson is. Also, his hobby is ceremonial magic. And actually, he studied in the University of Cordoba in Spain. We'll get into that when we, when we read uh, some of this tonight. But uh, he studied in Cordoba in Spain. And, and when he left Spain, he uh, filched some of his master's magical manuscripts and, and uh and uh, got off with him, and and so his hobby is ceremonial magic. He'd never done it before, but he studied it, and 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 so uh, when Jan is is obsessed with uh, recovering the family castle and all of this, yeah, this this is you know, as I say, this is very much like the Ivanhoe story, and it owes a lot to the Ivanhoe story. Uh, the uh, as you recall, those of you who have either seen the movie or, or read the book Ivanhoe, you know, he was a Saxon knight whose whose, whose uh, uh, parents were 
were uh, and his family fortune was taken by the Normans and and uh, and finally he he uh, you know he's allied with with uh, rescuing King Richard you know who was imprisoned over over in Austria and all that and and, uh, uh, and Robin Hood or or Robert of Loxley aids Ivanhoe well. It's very, very similar in this story because what happens is is that that Thor, uh, uh, the would-be magician, who has the parchments, has the manuscripts, uh, he agrees to uh, to help uh, uh, Jan and, and Olaf uh, by magic to get their you know, to recover their fortune, their family fortune. So start off. And and uh, the first operation they do is is to try to to, to contact Bartzabel. Now, I think most of us are familiar with Bartzabel. Bartzabel is the is the angry spirit of Mars. You know, Graphiel is the is the nice spirit of Mars, but Bartzabel is the angry spirit of Mars. Bartzabel is the same the same spirit that Jack Parsons. Uh, summoned on the dock down in in Palm Beach, Florida, uh, to uh, gin up a squall to drive uh, Hubbard down to Bear Poles and get him to come back so the sheriff could uh, summon him, get just slap a summons on him, uh, and that was back way back in well a little while after this book uh, came out. So maybe maybe uh, um, Jack got the idea possibly for for his Bartzabell operation from uh, uh, from my magic say that's that's possible uh, and uh, anyway the first thing that that, that Jan and and uh, Thor and Olaf are going to do is they're going to get in touch with Bartzabell and the way they do that and we'll get into it I'm going I'm going to uh, I'm going to read the operation for you out of the book because it's it's um, you know it's like the Chinese like the Chinese philosopher said pictures worth a thousand words and and reading it and Gardner Gardner's uh, Gardner's writings uh, and this is better than me just trying to recount it for you so um, the first way they do this and I want you to note this carefully because they do they they go after Bartzabell in, in several different ways and the first way they do is that they lay the triangle uh, out uh, outside the circle, uh, Lamegaton style, that they lay it on, they do it on the floor, and uh, and Olaf, the younger boy, he gets in the triangle and he is the material basis. Now this is a valid way of doing things. In fact, I, I, I have to admit I've even experimented with this myself. And, and and been on been on a triangle and received the spirit. Uh I gotta get into that too much, but anyway I did. And and so I know it works. And it's kinda like voodoo in a way, because in voodoo, you know, uh the uh the material basis of the spirit is that is the uh, uh the, the mambo or the papaloi themselves, you know. They they become the horse of the god. And and, you know, and then it's uh uh, the, the horse, the, the horse of the god, or, or the horse of the ogun, then 
prophesies or, or or answers your questions or whatever. So this is a valid method of magic. And and when I say the material basis, uh, there there are various material basis bases in magic. Um, you know, they some people like to use smoke. In fact, it, later on they they use smoke for Barnes Bell. Uh, we don't like to use smoke. We like to use smoke in front of the mirror and use the mirror. So you could say we're we're looking at that 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 reflections in the mirror through the smoke. But uh, but uh, there is the idea of producing smoke and getting the spirits to 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 make to make pictures in the smoke. This is this is this was one of the ways they did it, and uh, that's a, that becomes a material basis, especially incense smoke. Now, uh, and then the person himself, themselves, that, that's, that's the material basis. And blood is a material basis, and, uh, and you know, and effluvium, blood, whatever. So there are various material basises that you could use. In this case, they start off with the first Bartzabell operation. And uh, I think it's very well described. I'm going to go ahead. Having been through one of these myself, I, I think it's very well described. Um, now, uh, I'm going to read it to you. Thor laughed. Yeah, I know not how I may help you, boy. I would truly give my heart's blood for your father's son, but I know not how to do it. Uh, to, to how how to do it to any purpose. But you have the parchments, Thor, of which you have often told us, even when we were toddlers. Ah, yes, I have them, for what they're worth. I studied eye magic in Spain in the University of Cordoba. But what of that? Any may teach there, and do they but teach what attracts the students to their to their lectures. A teacher with many students is a great man, but they teach only the theory, not the practice. Ah, but if you know the theory, surely you may practice. Hey, therein lies the snag. They say, take this and that. But tis ever what a man may not obtain. Give me the tools, and I will use them to thy best advantage. Yet ever they teach that if you have not the exact tool, tis danger to life and soul to meddle. And otherwise, why should I, having the knowledge, be but a poor leech scraping a bare living in a tiny town? Think, man, had I the power would I have not made myself rich ere now? Oh, I see," said Jan dejectedly. He had based all of his hopes on on Thor, and now found him a broken reed. But Thor, is there no way at all? I fear not to risk my life. Must I, as the monks say, sell my soul? That's but a priestly lie," said Thor. The god whom the magicians invoke is the same one that the monks pray to. But we are taught to pray differently. That is all using the methods of King Solomon, of whom the Lord said, I have given thee a wise and understanding heart, so that before thee there was none like unto thee, nor ever shall arise. And Solomon performed many wonders and great deeds by the use of the knowledge that the Lord had given him. But when old age came o'er him, he wrote to his son, Treasure up 
O my son Rabbam, the wisdom of my words, and seeing that I, Solomon, did do and perform many wonders, and I have written a certain book wherein I have rehearsed the secret of secrets, and in which I have preserved them hidden, and I have concealed also all secrets whatsoever of magical arts of thy masters, and I have written them in this key, so that, like a key, it openeth a treasure house. So this key alone may open the knowledge of the magical arts and sciences. Therefore, O my son, let everything be properly prepared, as set down by me both day and hour, and all things necessary, for without this there will be falsehood and vanity in the work. And I command thee, my son Roboam, to place this key beside me in my sepulcher. And, continued Thor, time came certain Babylonian philosophers who dug out the sepulcher, and they made copies of the key, and with them worked many marvels. And you have this key, gasped Chan, while Olaf goggled? Aye, lad, and that is the fix. It saith so clearly that without the right instruments, would be death and worse to try. Tis but to raise mighty forces which may not be controlled. So it seems that there's no hope at all, said Jan. And Thor answered slowly, Oh, there may be a way. He turned to Olaf and said simply, You, hast thou loved a woman yet? Woman? I loved my mother when she was kind. Well, not that, said Thor. Hast thou ever cast uh, your eyes on a young girl with thoughts of love, or any other woman for that matter? Answer truly. Oh, not me, said Olaf promptly. All girls are silly things, and I have no use for any of them. Well, then I may help, said Thor. There is a way by which a spirit may be called up to enter the body of a young person, and so communication can come across the veil as only the spiritual essence is present. And a circle made by an ordinary sword would suffice, at least I have heard so. But the young boy or girl must never have known bodily love in any form, for therein would lie a danger to us all. Other dangers there still are. Burning if we are caught, but we can risk that. I have never dared to try anyone anyone else, lest they be frightened and blab and bring death to us all. But you I can trust. Remember, though, that the danger to a young person is greater, for he must form a link as a medium between the two worlds, and for his protection there is but a triangle. For where were he within the protecting circle, the spirit could not cross to enter his body. Or should he release such a force to enter it would slay all within the circle, for it would be only a partial protection unless made by the tools which we lack. And I perceive your meaning, said Jan slowly. If Olaf here be not afraid, Olaf hitched himself forward. Oh, I'm willing, he said. Nay, nay, expostulated Jan, that I will not have. My own brother? No, I'm resolved, repeated Olaf quietly, and Jan fell fell dumb. If Olaf hath the courage, 
It is not dangerous, or so they say, said Thur. Let not terror seize you or drive you into a panic. And if we be not disturbed, we may succeed. And if not, at least we will gain advice, and that may benefit us. Well, I'm truly afraid, said Olaf shortly, but, but I will drive out fear. And for Jan's sake, and that, uh, and for his great desire, you may do with me as you will. I will obey in all things. Then fear not, brave boy. I will give thee a potent talisman, said Thor, already busy with a ewer and a large tub. Now strip ye all and bathe in this consecrated water. On this done, Thor next drew great circles on the floor, one within the other, and outside of them a big triangle. And all were circumscribed with mystic names. And after this, he poured water over Olaf's said, saying, Aspergus, come, Domine, Hysop, Mendabitur, Lavabus, Iam, Et Superneveum, Delabatur. And then he hung an iron talisman around Olaf's neck. The words had a comforting sound, and Olaf felt fortified by them. But the terrible words which followed struck terror into his very soul, echoing around his brain as though he were in a vast cavern, and the voice not Thor's, but a thundering one which boomed and battered down all resistance, laden with an awful power to command obedience. O Romagion, come, O Barcibel, Barcibel, come. Olaf was led into the triangle, and Thor bound his eyes with a strip of black linen and tied his hands and feet together, invoking him. As thou art blind, save for what light I can give thee, so I bind thee for a space that thou mayest be subject to my will alone. With this sword I invoke upon thee the protection of Barzabal so that no force of heaven or hell or from any or from the earth may act upon thee, save only the forces which I shall invoke within thee. And with this sword do I prick thy breast, that thou, that thy body be a holy temple of Mars, and I command thee to repeat after me. I invoke the power of Mars, that manifest themselves within me. Encore. Amacramides. Olaf's young voice rose clearly, adopting involuntarily a chanting tone. I invoke thee the powers of Mars to manifest themselves within me. Encore. Amacramides. He stood erect and steady inside the triangle. Then began a ritual which seemed to have moaned and boomed around since the beginning of time. The band around his head, so lightly tied, seemed the clamp of iron. His head seemed bursting and liable to split open. Now we're getting more rain. I guess I guess Mark 
Now, Bart Sabell, you don't want to give us rain. Come on now. <laughs> hey. Oh, boy. Yeah. 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 And it seemed as if it would shatter his breath. This was sheer and unadulterated fear of being of such magnitude that a man could not experience it and live. Fear. And should he die caught in the toils of this unholy rite, even sweet Christ himself could not save him from everlasting damnation. Boy, listen to the rain come down. A great black pole assembled at the root of his spine and began to creep upward slowly, slowly. Ah, there goes his Kundalini, teaching him to reach the nape of his neck until the hairs rose and crawled, coming higher until it hovered over him like a canopy born by the devils of hell. And if he could have put up his hand, it would have been a tangible to touch thick, black, and suffocating like a cloth. And this was fear made manifest. And now the cloth began to descend over his head, stifling him. If it reached his mouth, he would be lost. This was the fear that he had been warned against that could blast Jan and Thur and kill him. It must not. It should not. The black pall seemed to reach his nostrils. In a matter of seconds, it would be over his mouth. He began to drive it back, and it stopped for endless seeming moments. It remained stationary while he agonized at grips with himself, fighting now for all their lives as slowly as it advanced. The black thing retreated and vanished, leaving him trembling and sweating, but but master of himself again. He had conquered. Never again, he felt, with the powers of darkness assail or prevail against him. Therefore came more of these flickering visions, and through with, though with diminished frequency and intensity until they vanished altogether, leaving him with a sense of exhaustion and dizziness, so that he reeled again and only mastered himself with a supreme effort. And in spite of himself, he began to mumble as though in a delirium, words whose import he knew not. He became aware of Thor's voice, which had changed into persuasion, and he was charged with welcome and yes. Was it also relief? Hail, O Barzabel, thou mighty spirit, welcome, who come in the name of Elohim Gabor. Tell us with truth how my friend Jan Bonder here may gain his wish. From Olaf's dry, parched, cracked lips came a rushing babble of words, and the only intelligible ones being, Seek the Witch of Wanda, followed a terrible drumming sound that thundered through his head. And in a flash, it came to him that someone was battering at the door. The abbot's men, and in a minute, the door would be, would be down. And then it would be the stake and the fire for all of them. And he was bound, blindfolded, and helpless. And so ends the chapter. Now, needless to say, they did escape the abbot's men by being very clever. And, of course, they got 
from Barksabelle. The first this is the first time around with Barksabelle, and they and Barksabelle told him, Seek the Witch of Wanda. So they naturally set forth to seek the Witch of Wanda. And um, they asked around and, and finally found that Wanda was a very poor little village way out on the edge of a swamp. That's a mare in old English terminology. Uh, by the way, Gardner uses a lot of very, very uh, authentic old English uh, terminology in the book, and and it's uh, much much of which I think he probably gets from from Walter Scott. But but uh, uh, the book, the all all of the uh, the descriptions of of uh, medieval England are very seem to be very very authentic. Anyway. So they discover that Wanda is way off in the in in uh, you know maybe maybe uh, fifty miles away and uh, by this uh, in, by the swamp. So they uh, they fit themselves out and the three of them set out for Wanda. And eventually they get there. And uh, when they get there, they find they find that the, the innkeeper at Wanda and every one of these little villages has one one house that is an inn. And the way you know it's an inn is they hang a branch. They, they hang a branch over the door, and, and that, that indicates that this is that the house serves as an inn. Well, they go into this, this the inn in Wanda, and uh, the innkeeper is... Uh, he, he tells them, not, not, very, uh, not very willingly, but they probably get it out of the innkeeper, that there is this woman that that uh, lives at the edge of town, and she's a widow. And uh, you know, well, she—they don't—they don't—they're not sure how old old she is, but but she lives at the edge of town, and and uh, and the innkeeper is obviously very very taken with her. He, he's uh, in fact he's apparently tried to ask her to marry him several times, and she's refused him. Uh, and uh, but but. And they, and from what the innkeeper tells them, they realize that this may very well be the Witch of Wanda. So, they, uh, but the rest of the, uh, the rest of the people in town, they they really do think she's a witch, and they and and uh, even though they use her as a healer, uh, it's still they they're very superstitious, and unfortunately. The uh, witch hunters from the, the from an abbey nearby have arrived, and they've been asking questions about. Uh, and so they've stirred up the uh, the um, the Wanda the Wanda people, and the Wanda the folks in Wanda. You know the way things went in those days when when the witch hunters arrived, uh, the townspeople were very quick to you know to turn anybody they didn't like or anybody they. Anybody they they wanted to uh, get a reward for turning in. Uh, so any anybody you didn't like, you 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 told you told the witch hunters that, uh, oh yeah, they're a witch, you know, or something. So they'd already informed on her. Well, so the they were they were in the process while while uh, Thor and and uh, and Jan and Olaf are are going to. Uh, Talk to the to the girl. They they uh, uh, they're already raising the town, and uh, so they they meet the uh, 
they meet the girl, and and, uh, and I say girl, she's actually she's actually a young woman. She's only about nineteen, but she looks like she's about fifty. They, she's really, really, she's emaciated, and she's she's not well, and 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 uh, and she's really in, in bad shape, and and uh, so, but and she and they, she tells them her name is Vada, and. Uh, uh, that's not the name she wants. Eventually uses, but uh, that, 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 that. but while they're they're trying to get her to come with them, because they know she's the she's the, the, the witch of one. They know that, and they're trying to get her to come with them. Uh, and uh, meanwhile, in the town, and Olaf is standing guard, and he's looking off, and he notices that the town people are all getting stirred up, and the monks are stirring them up, and whatever, and and they're. You know, Olaf keeps saying, "Oh, you know, hurry up, hurry up!" You know, uh, um, uh, the townspeople are—they're—they're they're getting, they're getting pitchforks, they're getting torches, and all this kind of stuff. And 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 so the witch hunt is forming in the town, and and of course they finally talk Vada into coming with them, and uh, uh, for safety. And then of course uh, they have her uh, third. Gets her to dig up, to dig up her uh, her tools. Now, one of the things that Gardner establishes in here, or tries to establish, and I think this has gone, this has become uh, a part of the whole of all of which the, the entire witchcraft tradition has adopted this, is that the athame, the witches, the witches' magical dagger, that the athame is absolutely essential for any magical operation. And you can't even make uh and the white handle knife and both both now uh in the Solomon in, in the key of Solomon, which Gardner was, you know, very steeped in, you have the, the black handle knife and the white handle knife. And in ceremonial magic we usually use the black handle knife to serve incense. We use the white handle knife to pry out candle wax and stuff like that. But but that's that's but Gardner, the way he interpreted this, and he knew that there were uh, traditions, and Idrashov has some of them, whatever, that this athame that the witches uh, used was supposed to be absolutely essential, according to the way Gardner puts it and the way Thur uh, uh, recalls it. It was absolutely essential for ceremonial magic. We'll get into why how they use it later, but... Um, so, one thing Thor definitely wants, and, and one of the reasons why he wanted to find the witch of Wanda, is because she would have these tools, without which that he didn't think they could actually work. They could actually do develop the rest of the tools, the sword and all the rest of them, and especially the Buren. And uh, we'll get into that a little bit later. Uh, and uh, so he he uh, prevails upon her. She digs up digs up her tools. They're in a little box that her, her her mother gave her, and and she digs them up in the garden. And as soon as she gets the tools, they mount up on their horses and off they go. And with the witches with the, with the witch hunt right behind them, chasing them. Well, this is uh, off they go with with uh, the witches and the monks and and, and all the the local um, uh, townspeople uh, forming a posse chasing them. Well, um, Thor, who is, you know, the the, the 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 eldest and the leader of the group and all that, 
and the strategist in all of this, Thur decides that they better go to London. They better go to London and lose themselves in London because if they get in London, they they you know they'll they can sort of disappear into the crowd. And also, Thur wants to develop a cover story. Uh, cover they're going looking for the Witch of Wanda. Thur had had put it about that uh, uh, in their village. He put it about that uh, that he was going to go visit his brother, and uh, um, so they they take off for London. And, uh, yeah, and when they get to London, uh, they have a you know a series of adventures in London, and and uh, and Thor uh, wants to buy some magical equipment, and because he you know now that they have the the witch and she has her athame, there they can they can build the rest of their tools, and uh, and so so Thor wants to buy a sword, a new sword, and you know and and. Uh, and some other uh, equipment, so um, it's one thing they want to do. And and uh, and while they're in, <coughs> this is important to the story. Important important plot aspect of the story. While they are in London, Jan develops a crush on a young woman, young Irish woman. Who's married to a, a, a lord, uh, and and he just 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 an instant head over heels uh, in love with this beautiful Irish girl that's in love with this uh, the, the, this lord, and obviously cheating on him because she's flirting with his with his with his page, and uh, Jan just just falls head over heels for her. He's, she, he's like a knight, you know, with uh, loving loving a woman from afar or whatever, and so he's developed this huge crush on the woman. This this kind of hurts uh, uh, the, the, uh, young Vada, who, by the way, has now taken her 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 witch name of Morvan, and so they call her Morvan now because uh, uh, that was the, the name her the, 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 the Wiccan name her mother gave her, and uh, so Morvan. Morvin's taking a, you know, she's she's kind of uh, kind of getting a crush on 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 Jan, and and but at the time she's really not very much to look at. She's in such terrible shape that uh, and that they, you know. But when she's in London, you know, they get her at least they get her cleaned up and 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 uh, and uh, get her some new clothes and whatever. So, uh, but here's Jan head over heels this. This this young young uh, puppy love crush on this on this um, beautiful Irish girl, which he which is impossible because she's already married to a rich lord. But uh, that that's important to the plot because later on, um, um, I mentioned that. Any anyway, they they go back out, they leave London and they return to their little village where Thor has his house and. Uh, and they have uh, Morvan with them. Now they pass her off as his niece. They, the cover story is that that uh, that uh, they tell Hildegard, that's uh, um, Jan and Olaf's uh, mother, and she is a she is a Harrod, and she's this she she just 
drives these boys miserable, and she and she runs all the farmhands and the maids in, in, in her farm. And she treats them like slaves, and and she and she picks on her boys uh, mercilessly. And she doesn't like Thor because, of course, he he was her he was her husband's best friend, but she doesn't like him because he, the boys hang out with him too much. And, and uh, so Thor passes off Morgan as his, the niece of his dead brother. And he said he went to London, of course, to you know his brother died in his arms, and he comes up with this story. And this is my this is my my niece, my brother's uh, my brother's daughter, and and uh, so uh, that gets Morvin into into Thor's place, and Morvin fixes up a room for her, and uh, so she can stay there, and the boys have to have to put up with their with their. Their mother, who is who doesn't like any of them, and including Morgan, and uh, so we have a uh, and 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 uh, meanwhile, um, Brother Stephen from the Abbey enters the picture, and he is very important to this story. Not he comes in later; he's very important. Brother Stephen is a is a, a monk at the at the Abbey. And he's the clerk. He's the uh, he's the abbot's secretary. And uh, Brother Stephen is very very ambitious. And not only is he ambitious, he's very political. He wants to free. He he is he's really uh, he's a Republican, and, and he, you know obviously obviously steeped in Plato and all of this. And he's and he he his great ambition is to is to um, you know to to relieve the uh, the the misery of the people of, of, of Britain and, and England and he just and and uh and he's a very 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 uh, ethical uh for a churchman he's uh, and you know all through this book the conflict between the church and the and the people is is very well and described and 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 the witch cult of course comes in now. Stephen Stephen uh, makes an appearance and and uh, and uh, later on he'll be very important to the story. But uh, when they get there, Morvan finds even on even on Ildegard's farm, Morvan finds members of the old witch cult. And they even have, they haven't done a Sabbath in this area for a long, long time. And so uh, Morvan, uh, with her help, uh, her idea is, is uh, and, and well, Thor's and hers, is to help uh, Jan by raising the, the, the local members of the, the Wiccan Brotherhood and, and uh, getting them to help Jan take back his family castle. And now these these guys are not and Jan says, Well I need men at arms. I need I need men men with armor. These all these people are as you know, they just they're just woodsmen. They're just they're just farmers. Well they're good they're good archers of course. Now now we're getting into kind of into the Robin Hood thing. Uh and and uh so um uh both Thor and and Morvin, you know, keep telling Jan, "Well, yeah, you, you got to start somewhere. You know, you can train them. They'll they'll once we get them on your side." And so, um, before Jan is initiated, 
and he is later, but, but before he's initiated, they have a, a, a meeting out on this, uh, way out in the woods, and they have a big meeting of the of all the uh, the Wiccan Brotherhood, and uh, and she comes out, you know, uh, and and uh, in the moonlight, stark naked with her athame, and oh boy, then everybody realizes this is the priestess, and and ah, the old days are coming back, and hey, and, and so they, you know, they that they let her, she she tells them that Jan is going to be their leader, and. Uh, and Jan, this time, by the way, let me say this. By this time, Morvan has recovered. They put some, you know, they they managed to feed her, and she's and she's recovering her beauty, and uh, and she's uh, long red, long red hair, green eyes. You know, she's a very beautiful woman. It's just that she was so emaciated when they and, and filthy when they found her that she didn't look. You know, they they. Uh, they didn't realize it, but the the people are just you know, especially the the, the, the Wiccans are they're just fascinated, and so she she makes Jan she declares as priestess she declares that Jan is their leader and he will lead them to victory and restore the old ways and all of that, and Jan you know he's just oh, well, I don't know you know, and he goes ahead and he and he but he however he accepts the uh, you know the mandate and all that and he. Uh, and and he accepts their, their leadership, but he's really not not very enthused, and he's and he's still carrying the torch for this for this woman, uh, you know, in uh, in London. And uh, so at this point, uh, at this point, they uh, they start uh, getting into into further magical operations. And uh, and what they're what they're going to do is um, they're going to uh, make their tools and uh, and they're and, and and then of course once they make their tools and and they have they have everything ready to go then uh, then at that point they will uh, they will summon Barzabal and get him to actually aid them um, now. Um, one of the several interesting things here about uh, um, one of the things about it, that, that they do is the is the ritual of invisibility, and Gardner in here describes the real truth about the ritual of invisibility. And I've I've had I've had uh, you know several times I've been asked about this, and and I always tell the truth about it. But the ritual of invisibility is intended in magic to make you unobtrusive. It doesn't make you invisible. It it makes you unobtrusive to your enemies or people who would be your enemies. And uh, let me uh, just read a little bit of this here. You know. uh, let's see. And uh, again, you mock, but you should make some, some small spell for Jan's special safety, a spell of invisibility. So, said Thur, amused, "'Twill soon be the hour of Venus and her day, Friday. Make the figure of wax and write the spell on the skin of a toad. Thus do we witches,' this is Morgan speaking, "'thus do we witches, ever bearing in mind that invisibility is not a lack of sight in all beholders, but a lack of observation.'" 
any but the blind may see, but he who carries the spell is not marked by all about him. Oh dear, witchcraft, it seems, is very much a thing of the mind, the dominance of the witch's mind over her surroundings. Truly, a thing of much accurate observation and knowledge of what people do and may do in certain events. The witch holds the mind of those she would influence. Tis simple. An old woman with a load may come and go unnoticed, so long as her behavior is that of an old woman with a load. So if she hurry or stop to glance about her, she would be marked. Yes, always. One is so disguised and wears the charm of the talisman with such confidence that she knows none may note her. Now, if this sounds like the Jedi mind trick, yep, it is. And and this and this so uh, I really I don't want to I you know I I don't want to hear any more any more of this business of of uh, of um, uh, people are asking me oh can you really say we can so and so can make me invisible can you really no no but they can give you they can make you unobtrusive and uh, that's the real secret of uh, of that and uh, both in witchcraft and in magic. Now, um, some other uh, things are in this chapter that I'll read to you. Um, let's see. This is In the event of there being one we have not seen, dear Thor, may I go to him? I love the Greenwood. Now, doubtless, when Jan Bonder shares his enchantments, when we are fugitives, or when Jan is lord again, then then may you. But for the moment, you hide here. Thor Peterson's niece cannot roam at will like any like anyone. I need your help on the morrow. Willingly, what is our work? We compound spices, gum and nutmegs, aloes and cinnamon, and mace with incense. We need much, for from the smoke of such compounding, do the mighty spirits draw the material to form themselves into bodies when we summon them. Without them, they cannot become manifest. Well, blood can also be used, Morgan said eagerly. That, or the free essence drawn from the body of a man. Never, snapped Thor, Thor with such a passion of anger that Morgan was startled. Spirits who require blood or sacrifices are evil spirits. As such, art is the black art. And if they are summoned by those impious means, it is as evil and as if I made a wax image and roasted it to slay my enemies. But, Thur, what if you made one of, of an image of Fitzurse? then Jan might get his rights. Speak not to me thus. No Margus may do aught of that evil thing. I am a soldier, and I slay with the sword, never with the black heart. For once for once, he was deaf to her voice and her distress. Uh, now, I'll talk about this a little bit, because uh, I share some of Thor's feelings about this. Um, I think 
that if you live on a farm and you raise chickens and you slaughter chickens and you cook chickens and you feed your family with chickens, then I think if you want to if you want to use some chicken blood like this like this the Santeros do, I don't think there's anything wrong with that because you're 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 living on a farm. This is a natural thing. And I suppose you could say the same thing about, you know, about, uh, you could, if you want to extend that, you could say the same thing about, a, you know, a lamb or whatever, if you, you, you know, but, but if you're a city person and you're, and you're raised in a city, then that sort of thing is really, really nasty. That's, that's my feeling about it. And so, um, those of you who have chickens, and I know some of you do, uh, and I could I could probably have chickens at Rivendell. I got room enough for them. But uh, and I know and I know I know some people who have chickens and whatever. And but no, but you you understand what I mean. This is for 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 city folks. Animal sacrifice it really is. That's even a chicken. That even a chicken for for someone who lives in a city is not a good idea at all. And uh, and but she's right that blood is a material basis, and and the release of blood can can uh, bring spirits to visible appearance, and uh, we know this is true. But I don't like it myself uh, for uh, yeah pretty much the same reasons as Thor. In my particular case, I think I've had some past life experiences where I I, I just don't blood sacrifice just doesn't just isn't something I want to get get into, and and so and consequently I'm not going to raise chickens out at, at, at Rivendell even though I have the room to do it, but I I uh, that, that, that and uh, and the idea of using uh, effluvium, uh, well actually there's nothing really bad about using effluvium, especially for uh, consecrating talismans in the Great Rite or in the, in the you know, what the OTO people call the ninth degree or whatever. Uh, there's not really nothing wrong with that. And I will say that that uh, I think it's okay to use a little effluvium uh, and or maybe uh, if you use a if you use a little lance, one of these little diabetic lancets and pop your finger, you could put you could put just a drop of blood on a talisman if you wanted to, if if, if it's appropriate. But but no, I I think that as I said, I think that, that in ceremonial magic we we like to bring down celestial power, and we like to leave the uh, the rest of it alone. Now and and that's what kind of what Thurid means by this. The, cer- the ceremonial magician brings down power from heaven, and and you have in magic you have power from the earth, you have power from 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 the sky, from from the sun, the stars. You have celestial power that you bring down. You have power that you bring up from the earth. You have the power of blood. You have the power of sex, and and um, and these are the powers that you can draw on, and. Uh, so that's you know that 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 goes along with that. Now um, we're getting pretty close to well, we're a little bit past the first hour here. So uh, I want to get into. I'm going to go ahead and do a two-hour one. We're up for two hours, aren't we? Okay, good. Because what I wanted to do was I wanted to get the the, the great circle. I wanted to do the great circle tonight. 
And then what I want to do next week is I want to do uh, binding the spirits and and the uh, and the talismans. And uh, and uh, and what I want to do is binding the talismans and uh, do the Dantalian operation. And so uh, let's uh, let's get me get here to the circle. Um, let me see. Okay. Oh, by the way, the Buren. We get back to that here. Um, on the following day, the day of Venus, again the two prepared the water for their personal cleansing, and with this accomplished, again they drew the triple circle in exactly the manner of the former occasion, and their work was now to make the all-important Buren. Now, what is the Buren? The Buren is a scry is a scribing needle. It's a it's a like an ice pick, but it has a. In fact, you can make a you can make a pretty fair Buren out of an ice pick. You just sharpen the point to where it's needle sharp, because you're going to use it to scratch uh, or engrave, uh, and you can use it with acid too. You know, you can you can dip it in acid and use it, uh, and and and. Uh, and scratch, and then put the acid in, in the scratch. And, and uh, so, But the Buren is an engraver, basically. Now, today, we use a Dremel Model 290 electric engraver, and you can put the little sigils on your, on your Dremel. There's the little sigils here in the book that you, can, that you can put on your Model 290 Dremel electric engraver. And everybody's got to have one now. And I'm not... I don't get any kickback from the Dremel company, but that's what we use, the Dremel Model 290. Uh, and uh, make the all-important Buren. Dura recited anew the, the uh, same Psalms of David, and then throwing the herbs on the brazier, he waited until the clouds of incense ascended and took them and, and, and took up an engraver's awl. And he purified it with the live coals and with the white-handled knife, whose office was... Uh, was that of a tool as distinct from that of the athame used by the witch to control spirits and work magic. He carved on the handle of the owl, such that's A-W-L, owl, which was to become the Buren, these characters, and they're in the book. And like I said, put them on your Dremel. Um, the invocation followed, Solomon commanding, Asphio, Ah, Sophio, ah, Sophio, Pentagrammatron, and here comes the rain again. Athanos, ah, hey, ah, Asher, ah, hey, ah, Kadosh, 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 and thus he prayed. Now remember, now when you get your Dremel and and you put the, the little figures on it, be sure and be sure and, and recite that, okay? And. Uh, you can have a lot of fun with that Dremel too, because you can you can we we've we've engraved a lot of our tools with that. Uh, uh, the the great circle, making the great circle, is is uh, is one of the chapters, and and uh, I would like to let's see, I'd like to read some of that. Uh, where is it? making the great circle? 
Um, drawing the circle. Now, this is important. Drawing the circle with the Athenite. Now, this is this is one of the most important things, and I'm, I imagine that 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 uh, witchcraft. The, the, you know, I haven't talked to any any of my gardenerian friends yet about this, but but uh, and 1734 doesn't do it that I know of, and that's the witchcraft tradition I was initiated into. But but it really is. But we, we actually do it do a version of it in Solomonic magic, and that is when you describe a circle. You drive a stake down in the middle, and then you've got a you, you've got a you know a, a nine foot cord because your circle is supposed to be nine feet, and then you got and you got a, uh, your charcoal or whatever it is you're 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 using your chalk or whatever it is you're using to describe the circle out at the end of the cord, and you just go around using that, uh, or you can use a, a nine foot beam compass. But what they do with the anthemy here, and let me show you. Now, the heavens are propitious, Thor murmured contentedly. The moon is in the aerial sign, and in her increase, the sky is clear and serene. Meanwhile, Morvan thrust her athame into a chink in the floorboards, looped the strand she had planted that morning over it, and fitting a piece of charcoal into a loop five feet six inches down its length, she marked out a circle, leaving an entrance north northwest in it, and shortening to the next loop, six inches nearer the center, she described a second circle, and shortening again to four feet six inches, she described a third circle, thus making an an inex uh, making uh, an inner circle nine feet across, and the outer circle was then divided into the four points of the compass, beginning in the east. Thur marked in Hebrew, Agiao, and the south point, Zebeo, and in the west, YHVH, which in English is spelled Jehovah. By the way, we don't use Jehovah anymore. We use L. And L is the name of God. And uh, we use the other, the others, Ahayan and Agiao, and I don't know, but we don't use Jehovah anymore. Um, between each post point, the compass, he drew the pentacle or a five-pointed star. Morvan then took the athami and with its point went over again all that he had drawn in charcoal. While he placed a lighted brazier of the same fuel at the due eastern point within the smallest circle. Then he lighted and then he placed a table before it exactly within its center in the middle of the brazier. Ah, now, now I think, by the way, all through this book, you become, and even in the, even in the, the, the first degree, uh, Wiccan initiation, which we'll read next week, uh, you find very, very much the, the aspects of ceremonial magic. I mean, you can't escape it. So originally, originally Gardner's version of Wicca was just like this book is. It's an infusion of Solomonic ceremonial magic and uh, traditional witchcraft. And so um, uh, that's that's a point that that when we when we started the OTA, we we really were very much aware that that. Uh, uh, the resurgence of Wicca, and we, we we tried as much as we could to 
incorporate as much of this into the OTA and, and, and uh, this philosophy and this way of doing things as possible. And Solomonic magic, of course, uh, is, uh, as I say, it's, it's an intimate part of, of original witchcraft. Um, now, I have a charging ritual here, which I will read, and then I think we'll leave some of the exciting We'll leave the initiation and and the and the Goetic uh, 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 summoning of, of Dantalion for next week, and uh, and and the binding of spirits also for next week. So uh, here we go. Let's see on this. This is the uh, charging. This is this charging ritual. He again partially unveiled the first, and summoning Morvan with a gesture, she held her athami above it. And while he held his sword in a, in a like manner, he conjured it, saying, By all the powers and rights, I conjure thee. Render this pentacle irresistible, O Lord Adonai. And when this had been re- repeated over and over each, he revealed, he, re- he, re- he revealed the pentacles and carried them to the north, laying them on the ground, opening each veil completely saying thou canst not pass from concealment to manifestation save by the name of YHVH and of course as I said we don't use that anymore revealing them he passed to the south and laid them on the ground and entirely removing the veils from each but leaving them behind this done he invoked O Barksabelle, too long hast thou been in darkness. Quit the night and seek the day. And that's right from the golden dawn. As light is hidden in darkness, yet can manifest itself therefrom, so shalt thou manifest from concealment unto manifestation. Yeah, the, the, some of the some of the phraseology here is from the golden dawn because, of course, uh, Gardner being. Um, being in the OTO and having Crowley as his mentor, uh, he was very familiar with, with Golden Dawn uh, ritual and material. And I might mention that uh, uh, his, this association uh, carried through Doreen Valiente, one of uh, uh, Gardner's uh, protégés. She actually came up with the idea that cunning man, that uh, 19th century British cunning man, George Pickengale, who was illiterate, he was a hog farmer, and he, he supposedly, according to Doreen, wrote the uh, uh, the Golden Dawn Cipher manuscript. Now, we all know that's that was not true, but, but Doreen liked to think so. But, uh, really, uh, what Gardner's Gardner's uh, whatever comes from the Golden Dawn in Gardner comes through Crowley, and uh, uh, and yet at the same time, the Gardnerian craft honors women a lot more than Crowley did. Even though Crowley, uh, some to some aspect, you know, this is like uh, Crowley saying his scarlet woman to whom all power is given. Well, that's what they did with Cardinarian witchcraft. They gave all the power to the to to to, to uh, the Scarlet Woman. And uh, another thing about this 
that that um, we notice in this book that Morvan always works skyclad, and uh, and everyone, including Stephen, when they finally do this, when they finally do this Dantalian thing, uh, basically for for uh, for brother Stephen, uh, Stephen's already real, you know, he's 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 a monk and he's. And and he's very uncomfortable, you know. Oh, why do we have to have this naked woman in the in, in the circle? And and uh, and Thor tries to explain to Stephen, you know, well, come on, this 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 is the way the witches work, and this is what we what we do, and and this is how she this is her power, and 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 uh, and so they have the, this. Uh, uh, of course, there was an inequality, kind of an inequality involved in this, both with Gardner and with uh, with uh, Alex Sanders. Uh, Alec, especially with Alexanders, uh, the magician was robed, but all the all the women in the circle with Alexanders, the, you, you know, they're they're all nude, and Alex is there with his magician's robe on. And the excuse for that is, of course, we're all a magician. He has to have a he has to have the pentagram on his the skirt of his robe, and he has to have the hexagram on the chest of his own. And the woman, and they have to be nude because that's traditional and all that. Well, that's nice work if you can get it, I suppose. But but uh, they, they quickly, when the witch cult got got established, that quickly went the other way, and everyone everyone was skyclad, including the high priest, who. Um, um, he ended up wearing a wearing a Viking helmet so he could represent the old horn god, and uh, uh, so you know when we said, "Well, skyclad ain't bad," <laughs> and of course uh, I I keep thinking of I keep thinking of uh, Burt Reynolds in in that striptease movie with Demi Moore, you know, and Burt Reynolds uh, he's trying to explain why why he why he's so fascinated with uh, Demi Moore. He said, I just love naked women. <laughs> so I'm thinking that Gardner was, <laughs> I think with Gardner, kind of like that with, uh, with. Uh, uh, but one thing about Gardner, though, uh, he had an Irish nanny. And Gardner, you know, came from an upper-class British family, had an Irish nanny, and that's one of the reasons, and she inflicted him with terrible spelling. So his spelling was awful. And so he needed Crowley for his spelling, if nothing else, because Crowley was was very a very good speller. And and uh, and uh, another thing with the Irish nanny, she probably uh, she probably got him fascinated with with uh, with being switched with a birch rod, and uh, and uh, so there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of switching that goes on, and uh, yeah, we'll get into that a little bit next week. But uh, uh, I think that. Uh, that main thing that we want you to recommend high magic's aid is to give you a very very good idea of what of what what it was like back in those days and uh, and uh, the the actual connection between uh, between uh, the old religion and 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 Solomon's old religion because uh, there's a lot of similarity between the two and a lot of connection between the two. And next week, uh, next week I'm, we'll, uh, we'll see how many of our, how many of our uh, Gardnerian friends can, can want to call in and, and talk about this. And we'll, we'll do the, we'll, we'll do, uh, we'll, we'll, 
We'll summon Dantalion, and we'll eco eco Azarak. eco eco Zomalak. <laughs> so, until next week, uh, Merry Meet, Merry Part, and, and Merry Meet again. Blessed be.